Welcome to Allworth State of the Industry. This is Scott Hansen, uh, co-founder and co-CEO of Allworth. And uh, if you've heard our podcast in the past, you know we do these periodically when something of interest is happening in the marketplace or we've got an interesting person to speak with. And sometimes we have some of our own people uh, talk. And I think we've got someone uh, with an interesting background to be part of our program today um, who's currently with Allworth, but a, a very new hire with Allworth. So he's got a an interesting background and I think will can provide some maybe some insight on what's going on through the minds of a lot of advisors right now as they've looking at transitioning their business um, and where things have come from in the past. So uh, I'm excited to have Scott Collins join us. Scott is currently the Senior Vice President of Business Development here at Allworth and heads up our Allworth's partner program. Uh, but he he spent eight years with TD Ameritrade, where he managed a team of about 60 folks um, helping a lot of the, lot of the uh, IBD-affiliated advisors who are looking to, to transition away from that to be pure independent. Um, before that, he had a he had a stint where he was a essentially had a, re, a recruiting company where he helped, helped advisors look at uh, the next path before that. And then he spent a number of years at LPL um, talking with advisors about leaving the wirehouses and going to the IBD model. So, uh, Scott, uh, thanks for taking a few moments to join us today. Thank you. Did I get your, that background somewhat correct? You, you did. You did. I, I guess the only thing I would add prior to my time with LPL, I was actually an advisor or rep with a large uh, wirehouse firm. And, and so I've been an advisor. I spent some time uh, actually in a small marketing office of a large wirehouse. And uh, over time, we went from having five advisors in that office, and all of a sudden there were two of us left, and they merged that office with an office about an hour away. And that's what got me thinking about, you know, what do I really want to do in this industry? And I had been seeing for years in uh, what was then Registered Rep Magazine uh, advertisements for uh, the independent broker-dealer space. And uh, next thing you know, I I ended up at a what was then a small independent broker dealer, but over time became really the largest largest in the industry. So, you know, I really felt that was the direction the uh, industry was going, moving from more of a captive environment to a uh, independent model. And so, got to work with a lot of advisors, either breaking away from warehouses or even other independents, just looking for a better platform. So, got to experience a little bit of. Um, you know, what, what they were going through, I had a common, um, I guess, experience with them. And, and so that was that was really how I got to the IBD space, which then ultimately led me to uh, the RAA space. And TD Ameritrade, uh, during your, when, at least the last year that you were there, how many RAA firms did they work with Ballpark, if you can recall? Um, in the neighborhood of about 7,000 RAAs. And how many were they working when you joined them years prior so? Oh, just uh, a few thousand, and uh, and actually, kind of the same story with um, with the IBD. When I got there, I think we had about twenty five hundred RAAs, and and now I think they're at seventeen thousand. Um, so definitely, you see a lot of movement in the industry. And, and for the and these with those, a lot of advisors. those advisors that at that was custody at. TD Ameritrade, did most of them come from a wirehouse or an IBD? What was the what was their background? Or both? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So a lot of the advisors we were bringing over were coming out of the IBD space. 
but many of them had started in the wirehouse. So that IBD space was, think of it, a, almost a baby step towards full independence in the RA channel. And, um, and that, was, that was really kind of the, the path that we saw most of the time. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting when you look at our industry, the average age of an advisor is, I don't know, somewhere around 55. You hear different numbers from different people, but somewhere around 55. The average owner of an advisory firm is somewhere around 65, depending on um, who, who you listen to. Um, so we're clearly aging. There, the, the Certified Financial Planning Board states there are more, C, act, more active CFPs over age 70 than under age 30, which is... These are people that are paying their dues and doing their continuing education over age 70, more of those folks than under age 30, which so clearly had this aging, um, we're an aging, right. aging group within the advisory space. But you've, you've been part of and kind of witnessed over the years this maybe a bit of a metamorphosis in the industry where it was first these uh, wirehouse reps, which by and large were kind of independent producers, right? I mean, you they give you a little help on how to sell and how to understand products, but it was it was up to the financial advisor, stockbroker they were called back in the day, to go out and find the client, put together the investment program for the client, and, and they would all look quite a bit different. And then they, they many of those people left the wires and went to an independent commission-type model, whether it was LPL or Cetera or any of these other independent broker-dealers out there. And then you've seen over the last decade or even longer – People leaving that those channels and just being pure RAA uh, and custody with Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and Fidelity, right? And and there are more advisors today that are independent than are at the wirehouses. And it's funny because we've been independent since 1993. And uh, years ago, I remember some, I had a friend of mine was a broker at one of the wirehouses. They they would all they would kind of look down on us like we were the <laughs> We weren't yeah. like real advisors, and, and and now I think most of them look at the RAs with a bit of envy <laughs> from the White House. Yeah. So where do you see the? So based upon your your background, where do you see this the next big trend? Sure, sure. Well, you make some great points there too, and just um, you know, if you think about the industry and how it's evolved, back in the day, you had to be with a wirehouse, right? They controlled. Um, well, they had great training programs. They had the technology. They had research. Um, and, and then, as as the internet started to evolve, it became easier to replicate a lot of that stuff. And so that you started to see the shift towards the IBD space. But when you're in an IBD, generally, you're somewhat captive to their uh, technology systems and infrastructure and and their compliance. Program. So it's the old, you know, they have to dump the compliance down to the lowest common denominator. And that's the new person, you know, in the business. So the older advisors who've been in the business for a while get held to that same standard. So it kind of becomes frustrating for them. And, and over time, technology has changed too. So we have a lot more choice in the industry. And, and that's great for some, but it can be overwhelming too. You know, at TD, we had you know, 150 different technology vendors that uh, could tie into our system. So when somebody was breaking away from an IBD coming over to, to TD, you know, they had a lot of decisions to make. And I think for a lot of people, you know, this part of it was the excitement going from the wirehouse, I'm going to be an independent rep. And, but over time, the business 
while there's more choice, it's become more complex. And as that advisor population is aging, um, I think the next trend in what we're seeing, and, and something I was exposed to and, and ran a program at TD, was in and around M&A. So that's, people are looking to de-risk their overall own portfolios of, of the companies that they're running. And they're just looking for a way to get back to doing what they do best, and that's work with clients. So it's, um, you know, I think we'll see more and more of the yeah. so mergers and acquisitions and partnerships. Prior to Schwab's purchase of TD, you oversaw the M&A. There's a, there was a, essentially some sort of advisor connect type program, and Schwab has that as well. I believe Fidelity has right. something similar. And the large IBDs have something similar, which is trying to match someone who's who's – looking at having some sort of transaction. And from your experience, what, what were the primary motivations behind somebody looking for a different structure for themselves? Sure. Well, oftentimes, you know, you, you come across advisors who are one, maybe two-man shops, and they're wearing all the different hats. You know, they're the, the technology guy. They're the human resources person. They're you know, dealing with cybersecurity, and they find themselves working more, you know, in the business doing that than actually growing the business and working with the clients. So for some, it's just they want to get back to what they really enjoy doing. And for a lot of advisors, keep in mind, the business that they've built, and, you know, it might be 200, 300, 400 million in assets, that's a big piece of their overall net worth. And so their income is tied to that, and they're looking for a way to diversify. So oftentimes, we would find advisors who are looking to you know, partner with a, a, a larger growing firm that would help them take some, some money off the table, but still have equity in a growing company and, and be part of something bigger, be able to leave a legacy and, and maybe a pathway or glide path for their staff to So, yeah, so TD, we had a program, and we really did three things there. We worked with advisors who were looking to start a firm. Sometimes they wanted to join, and sometimes they needed that um, merger acquisition opportunity. And pretty direct question. Were you guys pretty successful at it? I mean, all in all, did that work pretty well, connecting those folks together? Um, I would say overall, yes. Um, There's a lot that goes into it you know, culture and investment philosophy and geography and a number of different things, finding the right match takes time. And sometimes we would see advisors, you know, spend a year or two just trying to make that the best connection. And so our job was really to try to, you know, where we worked with probably about 30 key firms in the industry. And we tried to match the advisor with the right, right few firms and try to do some of the legwork for them. And if you, if you're looking at the, there's probably, I don't know, 20 or so kind of serious firms out there uh, doing acquisitions right now, right? I would make right. 20 or 30. I don't know what the number is. Um, Allworth is clearly um, one of those. Is, our partner program is a little bit different than others. But um, what are the kind of the broad categories that you see of, kind of the consolidators in the marketplace, the buyers in the marketplace? Sure. sure. I, I really think of two. You've got the aggregators and you have integrators. And the aggregators, in my mind, they're, they're really looking for 
you know, the, uh, the advisor or the firm that they can purchase and somewhat leave them in their own little silo. Uh, so they're buying the revenue stream. Um, they're not really worried about cultural fit or investment philosophy, uh, whereas an integrator is looking to find like-minded advisors or firms that want to create a consistent type of experience, have the same investment philosophy, and are looking to grow collectively, which oftentimes I think you'll find that the integrator model has a much greater value overall just because it's it's consistent. So you can go into an office on one side of the country or go to the other side of the country and you're going to get a similar uh, experience. And what it, so we, it's kind of a big, that's a big leap for somebody that went, I mean, you're at a wirehouse, somebody manages your staff. If you have some staff for you, they pay the bills in the office, all that stuff. You're in an IBD, you pretty much have to manage your office, but you've got someone else who's taking care of the technology. You might have to make sure your computers are working, but they take care of the technology. They might offer you some TAMPs and stuff to use. You go to the independent uh, computer in, independent RA model, you're now responsible for everything. And then moving from there to becoming part of a larger organization, I mean, you, you said the two main drivers there. One is to get people back to doing what they enjoy doing, typically being a financial advisor, and and second is is to diversify to typically their largest asset. What kind of reluctance do you see from advisors? Does I mean, it seems like that's a big ask. It, it can be, I think, for some. But um, you know, I, I think as as advisors get a little bit older, and they're trying to figure out what's that next step for them and for their clients, and maybe for their family. You know, they're they're looking for the opportunity to maybe step back away from the business a little bit. They may not want to retire completely. Um, and and I, I've seen advisors who sell and, and go right away, right? And then you have advisors who want to stay on and maybe continue to grow, but fade out over a few years. And then you have that other advisor who really wants to um, be part of something bigger than themselves, offload a lot of that responsibility and, and if they're in the right mind, mindset, you know, they, they get some liquidity, they have that equity, and they want to help see that company grow. And they realize, hey, I may not be the best marketer. I may not be the best business owner. And so they've recognized where their key strengths are and what they enjoy doing. And I think once they get over those, you know, little, little hurdles, um, you know, Firms like us and, and others in the industry, like there's a spectrum of choices out there right now. Um, so ultimately, there's probably a really good landing spot for people. But um, yeah, it, that answers the question. Yeah, and there are lots of options, aren't there, today for people? There are. There are all different flavors. Um, yeah, I recently I read an article. I read an article for Investment News every other week, and I just wrote one on on the various options. And like, I just strongly encourage people, like, if if you're getting, if if sometime in the nearer term you're thinking about a transaction of some sort, like, it just pays to to do some research today, talk to several firms, have some conversations, to just see what all the options are, because there's a there's a myriad of options. There are a lot of options. 
And I think you're you're seeing this industry evolve too on the M&A side. Um, you know, you have larger PE firms that are moving into the space too. Uh, you also have what I would say are the, the enterprise RAs out there, right? Professionally managed RAs that have a defined process, marketing organizations, um, complete back office support and trading and um, you know, really frees up the advisor to do what they do best. And and I think you'll continue to see some of these. There are a handful of large ones like that in the industry that will continue to evolve. Um, and along with that, you know, we've seen valuations continue to go up. You know, this past January was a record January. 2020, 2019 were record years for the M&A space. So, I, you know, there's a lot of choice. There's a lot of activity, and and I think you'll continue to see this this sector grow. Yeah, and you joined us. You came over from TD, uh, and you brought three other people with you, right? So, um, uh, four four of you joined um, Allworth to help us yeah. kind of take to the next. Why did you choose Allworth as opposed to some other opportunities that you might have had? Well, um, it's a great question. Um, Couple things. One, you may or, not or you might have not. You had no other opportunities. You were hoping your wife said you better get a job <laughs> no. soon. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't that at all. No. Um, so a couple things. Um, one, you may not remember this, but probably 15 years ago, I cold called you and Pat, and I think I tried to recruit you guys over to uh, a different IBD. Um, and then uh, I don't. When I, was I don't recall team, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I wasn't very good. Um, and when I was at um, TD, you know, Allworth was part of our um, RA Connect partner program. I got to know you and Scott and, and actually a few other people in the organization over time. And, and, um, and you probably remember this, but a couple of years ago, we both happened to be at the same hotel in Arizona. And we were walking across the property and, and um, got got to talking and realized that uh, um, we were both there and you were there for your advisor group and I was there with TD and you asked to come speak uh, briefly, impromptu, mind you, at, um, at one of our management events. And and that really resonated with me. You got up, you told you know, everybody what a great culture and group of people we were. And um, so... so for me, when actually when you reached out and asked me what my plans were, I was very interested and had a lot of respect for all worth the people, the culture, and, uh, and the company. Well, we're glad you're here. And it's a, I, I do think, I, I, when I look at the future of our industry, I think there will be, I think there's, there's there's lots of room out there for different some of these different models. And some some of these firms are just aggregating assets and um, advisors uh, still maintain a lot of their independence. And then there are on the other side of the spectrum, there's uh, more firms like ours where it's really, it's, I think it's, I should say cons- more uh, consumer focused, client focused of let's, let's really create a very consistent experience for, for all clients uh, to, to build out a true national firm. And, and we're finding a lot of, uh, a lot of advisors see this as a pretty good uh, chance for them to, as you said, uh, Get, get back to to working on what they enjoy doing, uh, whatever that might be, and and as a way to um, both monetize their existing practice, but also to have equity in a growing firm. Um, typically, that and if you look at you know, if you look at the firms that are growing right now, 
There's not that many advisory firms that are growing. They tend to be the large ones. They tend to be the ones that are backed by some private equity that and um, they're they're creating a lot of value. And it's a I think a lot of it's a great opportunity for many advisors to for maybe this next chapter of their career, um, maybe do things a little bit different than they did the last chapter, have a bigger impact on the industry and on the clients that they've been serving, as well as have a pretty good financial. Uh, financial package for them as well. So I do think it's a, I think our, our future is very bright in this industry. I really do. I completely agree with that. And, and I think if you look at most RIAs in the industry, the, uh, the organic growth side is very, very low. They've had a lot of you know, growth because of the market appreciation over time. And they've staffed and you know, invested in other areas based on the market growth and not so much the actual organic growth. And that was actually one of the other things that, impressed me about all with was the end client experience that you have been creating and the marketing program from TV to radio to podcast um, editions of things. It's it's just a really impressive marketing engine. And the fact that an advisor can come over and doesn't have to worry about any of that, um, you know, is, I think you'll find a lot of advisors are looking for things like that. They still want to grow, but they may not be want to be responsible for um, you know, the marketing piece of it. Yeah, and they might have um, even greater impact as part of a, a larger organization than staying small. Yeah, and and the reality is, I think a, a large enterprise type firm like us or some of the others um, will will grow at a faster rate, and that equity portion that an advisor still you know, has within the company as a partner uh, will probably have greater growth potential than if they were just you know, trying to continue to grow their their small RA. Well, that's what um, that's clearly what we've seen thus far. So, well, hey, Scott, and just for for the rest of us, like um, sure. your your kind of other life, you've got a bit of a ranchette type thing. What do you call it? Is how many? Yeah. Is that what you call it? Ranchette, farmette, yeah. Farm, and <laughs> so, you've got you. What do you what do you grow, and what kind of animals do you have there? Just and this ah, is in so, San Diego, so, so you think of San Diego, you think of the nice warm weather, you think of the fun downtown, you think of the great surf, uh, the beach, and all that. Which which that is all true, and, and actually I do love to surf, uh, but we live just out in the uh, the hills outside of San Diego. Um, one day my wife woke up and decided she didn't like the little golf course community that we were living in, which was awesome, but um, she wanted a bit of space. And so now we have just about 10 acres out here and we have goats and chickens, but, but our big thing is we have a, um, a small avocado grove and uh, I've learned a lot. Never thought about owning an avocado grove, but uh, I've learned a lot about that. And we have about 175, maybe 200 trees on the property and um, it keeps them busy on the weekends. And, so every every so often we collect the fruit and sell it to a wholesale distributor. Yeah. Well, God bless you. I'm, did you did you have to collect the eggs this morning from the chickens? Uh, uh, no, I think my wife is doing that today. Someone does that every day, though, right? It, we have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we had uh, that as a kid for a couple of years. Did not like it. Yeah. Well, you know that was moving out here was part of the experience for our kids. We had four and still have four. Um, but they were young and we wanted them to, you know, experience raising the animals and, you know, having to work the property a little bit. And 
And one day, the goal is to actually have a small vineyard out there. So, All right. We'll, well see cool. how that turns out. Well, hey, Scott, appreciate you taking a little time with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, by the way, if you would like to learn more about Allworth Financial, what our partner program looks like, we've got a special website, allworthpartners.com, allworthpartners.com. On there, you'll hear stories from other people who have joined Allworth as well as um, a variety of different uh, informational uh, materials on there, videos, podcasts, etc. So we encourage you to check that out if you're interested. Uh, and thanks for taking your time to join me today. I appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm with the Securities and Exchange Commission.